can't talk about babies pooping in church. Where can you talk about it? Uh, we're going to have a heart-to-heart -heart today, and uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, it's Paul's second letter to a church, and right here, kind of the, the front third of it, Paul says something I want us to consider today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, said as an absolute. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for a yearly fresh start. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we can all look at the last year and see what has happened in just one year. Father, both in the negative, both in the positive, but Father, we can also see that a year in your hands, so much can be done. So Father, what do you have for this church in 2024? Father, what do you have for the individuals that are standing up right now? Father, would this be a year that individually and as a church, if all of, if all of Tom's River took a knee to the enemy, would we stand? Father, if we were to be the last person like Noah standing before for you on earth, Holy Spirit, would you give us the courage and the strength to do so? Father, we are not the only church in Tom's River. We are not the only game in town. So, Father, we pray for... Father, the, the local Baptist church, Father, the, the New Life church, Father, we pray for um, the Assembly of God church. We pray for Trinity, Father, and Redeemer, the Presbyterian church, Father. Father, you've gifted these church to, churches to reach people that you've not asked us to reach. Father, it will take a multitude of churches to reach Tom's River for the glory of the gospel message. And so, Father, would you magnify your gospel message through the local church of which we get to be a part of. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. If you guys have been around uh, Wellspring uh, for a little bit, uh, you know that coming back from Thanksgiving, my car uh, died. And so Ava and I were up the creek. We had to quickly get a new car. And uh, my dream car is to get 
uh, what would be now a 2024 uh, Sequoia, uh, matte green, like army green. Uh, That's the car I want fully loaded so I can drive with my dog up to the mountains and go hiking and look awesome doing it. And uh, that wasn't what we got. Uh, That wasn't in the cards. Uh, That's uh, uh, that not for us right now. Someday, someday. Uh, but for us, we wanted a seven-passenger SUV, uh, mid-sized SUV, uh, because we have five kids. And if you have three kids, or not, we have five kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're <laughs> uh, uh, gonna need. It. Okay, we have three kids. Uh, and if you've ever driven in a five-passenger car. With three kids in the backseat, you know that that is what hell looks like. And so, uh, and so we wanted a seven-passenger car with two bucket seats so that Bruin, when we're traveling, can be right next to me because he wants to be right next to me. That's a good thing, right? Uh, no, I don't know. Anyways, I digress. Uh, and so we got a, she- a 2020 uh, Chevy Traverse, uh, kind of the entry-level uh, mid-sized SUV. Uh, 2020, I really wanted a 21, but it just wasn't in the cards for us. And uh, so we went to the dealership. They had a few on site. And uh, I was, I really wanted the 2021, but the 2020 was the better price. Uh, and so we drained our savings, not drained all of our savings, drained a good portion of our savings, took out a car payment and celebrated Christmas with all of that. And, uh, but as we're driving away, I didn't realize something. I have never had a car like this. Our car uh, came with a heated steering wheel. Uh, how in the world? I mean, how, how have I gone? I'm 40 years, I'm 39 plus one. How did I just find out that this is a thing? Uh, and like heated seating uh, seats for your bum bum, like to drive away and realize like I'm leaving Tom's River and I'm not even in Bayville and I have a sweaty butt. Like this is awesome. Uh, and so like all of these upgrades and like, I'm like, I can start my car from an app now. Like, what is this? Is this like, is this where are we, right? And uh, this is the Jetsons. We are now living in the world of the Jetsons. And, uh, and so, like, I am, like, how, I called my mom. I was like, hey, mom, I made it. Like, look at what, like, this car is bells and whistles, right? Now, I joke, I kind of joke, like, that's a cool, like, upgrade and whatnot from our minivan that had Cheez-Its and stuff all over the place. Uh, but uh, you can imagine in 2024, the American way sometimes is to see, okay, here's an upgrade. And then here's the Sequoia upgrade in my book. You can see how we kind of blow through upgrades, right? (laughs) And maybe go a little too far, maybe a little bit too extreme. But there's another extreme when it comes to upgrades. Like my mom, I think it was like 2021, and she was still rocking uh, the original iPod from 2005. And we're like, hey, mom, (laughs) there's been a lot since then. Maybe upgrade and get rid of that thing. But it still works. I know it still works, but you can upgrade from the original iPod. You don't need that anymore, mom. There's Spotify. All right. And so, hey, there's two extremes. We can go to two extremes. And before someone goes to the extreme of spending all their money and all of their wealth for an upgrade that they just have to have, wouldn't you and I love, when looking back, someone to have had a heart-to-heart with us saying, is that a want or is that a need? Is that really what's important right now? Sometimes we wait until we've gone too far for someone to have a heart-to-heart with us. Today, I want to have a heart-to-heart with us as a church. Uh, This was a sermon that we were going to do something a little bit different, uh, but something has been ruminating on my heart, and really, we've mapped this out in the last like seven to 14 days, which if you know my habits with preaching, is not my habit. Uh, This is just something that's been stirring within me, and I just wanted to come here and just have a heart-to-heart with all of us. 
And so we're going to be looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is Paul having a heart-to-heart with the church of Corinth. Uh, we're in 2 Corinthians. And, and so like, I know you guys are really, really smart. And so you know that that means that there is a 1 Corinthians. <laughs> And then that's then that first Corinthians. If you've been around the church for any time, if you've gone to a church conference, if you've uh, watched about church on YouTube or something, and if you've ever heard the Church of Corinth men mentioned, you know that that church always gets mentioned with the word sin. <laughs> they did some heinous things, and then First Corinthians, you're reading some of the things that they were doing. You're like, oh my lord, like what are they doing? It was a heinous church, and they could not shed the reputation of a sinful life. <laughs> Have you been there? <laughs> And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul's actually commending them. Paul actually says a lot of good things about this church. Uh, he's actually imploring them to let some people that have been outside the church now, now bring them back in. And so he has this heart-to-heart with them, and he shares some things that I think is a good heart-to-heart for us. And so in our heart-to-heart, I want to look at three questions. As Christians, and if you're not a Christian in this room, I am so thankful you're here. And I hope, as I'm sharing with our people to share the gospel message, that you will think about the message I'm asking people to share. I want to ask, as Christians, what have we experienced? And then out of what we have experienced, what should we do? And then what should we say? Let's go back to this verse in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, written by the Apostle Paul, uh, who under his authority Christians died. The Apostle Paul, who under his authority was storming cities to arrest Christians, you've done some really heinous things in your life. Under your authority, has a Christian been murdered? I think there's hope for you. And so the man that had done those things, that got knocked off his donkey and writes this message, now writes to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, uh, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Reconciled is now a churchy word because of passages like this. But it doesn't have to be a churchy word. If you throw it in the Google, Google says this, a a restoration to friendly relationships. That that if you've ever had a, 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 a marriage or a friendship or that old high school buddy that I, I, when you go back to your high school reunion, you hate his stinking guts, but now you're going to be reconciled, restored to not only am I good to be in the same room as you, but we can be friends. We can text from now on time and time. If I see you in the coffee shop, I can say, hey, pull up a seat. Let's have our cup of coffee together. That means that in the in between two entities, that there was a rift, there was a distance. And that to be reconciled means that that distance is no more. Now you have friendly relationships. It's also an accounting term. Uh, uh, Investopedia, whatever I Googled, uh, says it's an accounting method by which two sets of records are compared to, I, to identify any discrepancies between them. You reconcile. You see the differences that you and I, when it comes to God who is perfect, holy as holy can be. I know you think your poop don't stink. God is actually holy. And when you compare his actual holiness to the holiness you be fronting, it don't match. You cannot reconcile those two books. Jesus Christ had to reconcile that for us. 
So let me, let me explain it this way. Like maybe it's because it's 2020 and, uh, or 2020, oh my gosh, never again. Maybe it's because it's 2024. I speak for a living and that's twice now. Uh, 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 whatever, I, it's the new year and maybe it's because I'm a little hangry now because I've changed my diet and I want to, you know. Anyways, I want us to see this maybe as a cheeseburger. Can we look at this like a cheeseburger? Uh, with a cheeseburger, uh, you get a bun, Unless you're keto, but you're going to find out that keto is godless. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, if we went back to that verse, what did we see at the front end of that verse? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. What's happened to you? What is this salvation that we have? It's from God. So what's holding this all together? What's holding your salvation story together and making it a nice, clean story is Christ. You're not holding yourself together. You're not holding the salvation story together. My Jesus is. And, and what, what happened uh, in, this, in this story or in this salvation? Well, there was a burger. Unless you're vegan, then I don't know your gospel message, but... Uh, <laughs> But there was a death. I mean, we can, like, really, the burger analogy, right? We are a cheeseburger in paradise uh, salvation here. Uh, but there was a cow that died and became your burger. Pita, peta, pita, please don't cancel us. Um, so that's what a burger is, right? There was a death. And then on top of that was, uh, oh, you're a new creation. There's a cheese. You know what cheese is? Like cheese is dairy that has been turned into something else, and then now you have cheese that you are a new creation. I think this is one way, although the analogy loses itself when we have, you know, you know we don't eat meat or we don't uh, like bread or carbs or, Jason, the only thing I can eat on there is nothing. I don't have any of that in my diet. Okay, I know the analogy falls apart. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? That what, has, what have you experienced? In Christ, from God, God did something to you that you cannot do to yourself. That there was a death. You died an old life. And that Christ turned you, transformed you into new life. You became something entirely new and different. Here's what I want you to hear right now is that you are not an upgrade. You are a new creation. Let me, let me paint it uh, this way. Jason, why would you bring a coffin to the first, okay? Because you can Google it and you can find coffins on Amazon, right? You and I, as we sit in our seats, there's only two seats that you and I have. Some of us walk in here and we're sitting in the seat of death. That if this was the last seat you ever sit in, you have a seat of death right now. Ah, oh, what a buzzkill. Okay, well, there's hope. Or you're sitting in Christ Jesus. You understand in Christ and from God and you're sitting in the seat of life. All this is in the grave. All this is gone. And I think from the grave, what, what we do so well is, is we look around our American society and we look for things that are going to satisfy us, things that are going to give us security, and those become sinful things that are meant to replace God. We don't need God because in, in my grave, those things that are supposed to be dead, as I find my security in money, Jason, you're rolling really deep. This is fake money. (laughs) 
We look for safety, we look for security, we look for satisfaction and a good salary. If I just make a little bit more, get that promotion, I'll be good. I don't need anything else. We look for it in our status, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or what I hear, TikTok is a big thing. Uh, we go someplace and we want to have the most followers. We want to go to our job and we want to have a certain title. We, we want to have a certain image as a mom or a certain image as a dad or a certain image as a spouse. We want to have a, a certain image as somebody at, at the gym. We want to have a certain, a certain status, a certain status, a certain status. Well, I just visited my grandfather's grave and I didn't find a single tomb that shared how many followers that person had on social media. Don't matter no more. But these are things we go to, right? We go, we try to find it in sex. Hey, sex will be my security. Sex will be where I, like, I needed another person. I needed another, another relationship. I need, I need it, I need it, I need it. I need to go to the internet. I need to go, I need to go. And these things are going to give me satisfaction. These things are going to give me security. Oh, that this person is going to be God in my life. And we think this is going to get us to heaven. Having all of that is our ticket. Some of us go to a substance. For me, I know when I'm in a healthy place where I'm not thinking about my physical health, I go to soda. It's Coke Zero. It's better for you. Uh, what are, what's your substance? Is it another type of can? What's your substance? Is it what you smoke? What's your substance? Is it eating too much or spending too much? What's your substance that you crave to fill you in a way that only Christ is meant to fill you? You're in Christ. And so we as Christians, we look at all of these things that the world and the earth and, and everything around us says, these are the things that are supposed to satisfy you. These are the things that are supposed to give you security. These are the things that really, really matter. And these are the things that you're supposed to crave and run after. And we as Christians said, no, they're dead. Those things have passed away. I have said yes to the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus. I have new life because he died for me. And in him, I'm not a grave digger no more. In him, I'm not an upgrade. That old me is dead. I ain't sitting in this chair dressing up a corpse. That corpse is dead. I'm completely new. Now, come on, Jason. You're holding a little teddy bear and a little lamb. That cash looks a whole lot better. Jason, I don't got no wedding cake right now. I want that little thing on the top. Jason, I'll chug that Coke Zero real fast for you. Jason, do you want to know how many Instagram followers I have? I don't give two rips. None of that is going to matter in the end. And here's what we do as Christians. We view our lives not as a death and a resurrection, but we view our lives as an upgrade. We're trying to go back into the grave and dress up a corpse as if we're going to win the beauty pageant of the best-dressed corpse in the graveyard. <laughs> and what happens when you and I are trying to sit in the seat of life while drinking back into the, the grave is we're looking at these things to be Messiah. That gives us a savior complex that this person is going to save me, this amount of money is going to save me, this amount of blah, 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 and none of those things in the end can save you. You and I have said those things are dead. In Christ, I am alive, and he is my security. He is my satisfaction, and he is everything. And here's this. I get it. 
I get it. We are caught in this not yet stage. We are caught in that, hey, we have died. We are with Christ, but we're not yet in heaven yet. That Christ sees us as perfect. But Jason, come on. I do sometimes poo. My crap sometimes does stink. I, as a Christian, still have some things in my life that I need to get cleaned up. Yes, we are already in that not yet state, but what are we chasing after and looking to get better one day at a time, one day at a time, to keep those things in the grave and not pull them out of the grave? And so what are we supposed to do? I think that is where Paul goes with this. He says in the remaining, or in the next part of that verse, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, he says, and gave us, the ministry of reconciliation, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of uh, reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ God, making his appeal through us. You know what that means? (laughs) Like, you're like, hey, Jason, like, all that stuff looks real attractive. I actually kind of want those things. Okay, I get it. Like, I I can get there, too. Uh, Jason, like, come on, you're saying you're talking about a death, you're talking about life, and, and you're talking about living this life and letting those things be in the grave. Like, come on, like, that's a boring life. Like, like, like come on, Jason. Like, uh, but here's what I need you to understand, that Jesus looks at us and says, this is an important message. If you've looked at this and you're like, amen, like, I love the salvation story. I love thinking about the gospel and what that means for me. And that, hey, man, I was a screw up, but God has lifted me up. Like, I love all that. Like, that is great, but Jason, come on, like, I have to give all that, yeah. But think about that God would look at you and say, I want to be in partnership with you. He's not writing this message in the clouds. He doesn't have an Instagram account that he's sharing the gospel message through. Yes, we have his word, and with his word, he's empowering you and I to be in partnership with the God of the universe to share this message. So you can look to your neighbor and you can say, howdy, partner, if they are Christian. (laughs) Because we're in partnership with God. It's a shared experience. Shared experience also means that a shared experience is exactly what it sounds like, seeing, hearing, or doing the same thing as someone else. Although it's a simple concept, shared experiences have an impact on social, social, uh, human socialization because they what? Enhance each person's individual experience. That you and I, when we live the Christian life, when we live the in Christ life, that you and I go around and we share the gospel of that message. You know what that does to your life in Christ? It enhances your experience. That's awesome that you and I get to live the Christian life and we get to share the greatest message on earth. So why don't we do it more? Like think about what, let's go back to the verse for a second. Let's let's think about these these highlights that he's entrusting to us. Now, Now the next slide, that we are his ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. His appeal through us. That Christ is sharing the message. Like, this is such an important message. If you have a friend or a family member that does not know Jesus, this is a message of life and death, and he's trusted you with it because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That we are ambassadors. Let's go back. Ambassadors. An accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representation to a foreign country. (laughs) That you became a Christian And right away, you became not only a new creation, you became an ambassador. And Christ is looking down from heaven and saying, I need someone to represent me there. I need someone to represent me there. Oh, that job over there, I need someone over there. And he's sending ambassadors to foreign soil 
with a special message that we're going to talk about in a second. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to share this message. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to see it as a privileged position to be the ones in a dark world sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That, that you and I are on enemy soil. We don't have a diplomat to America from America. That ain't a thing. We have diplomats to foreign lands because that's where uh, the, the president or the, the interests of America need a message. And so you and I are on foreign land to share a message. You and I, new creations, are, where is home for us? Heaven. We're passing through. So we're on foreign soil. And every step you take, you're taking a step as an ambassador. In the, the, have you guys heard of the Navajo uh, co-talkers from World War I? Uh, there's, there's a whole lot written about them. I was reading about them on the, on a, on the Navy website this, uh, this week uh, because I, I remembered them as I was talking about this. Is that this they reminded me that you and I are, uh, are on foreign soils. We are in battle. We, should, we are supposed to be in the trenches of the gospel message. And in World War I, they were having a hard time being in the trenches. They were, they were looking at like, hey, we're going through a final campaign, and it's kind of, now it's mission critical to the war. And, and the Germans are decoding all of our messages from the trenches back to home base. And so when we're saying, hey, there's, there's guns over here, or hey, there's tanks over here, or we need bombs over here, that the Germans were taking these codes that we thought were on a different channel, or that we thought we were using certain uh, ways of speaking, and they were decoding it, and they were, they were beating us because of they were, how they were decoding the messages from the trenches. And so one day, somebody in the 142nd Infantry heard to, uh, I think it's called Choctaw, uh, Choctaw, uh, it wasn't Navajo at first, uh, Native Americans talking. And, they, and he said to them, hey, are there, is there anybody back at the base that would know what you're saying right now? And they said, yes. And he said, great. I need you to tell them a message. And so having it be a small language... He used these individuals to relay a message back to home base and became the Navajo code talkers because the Germans couldn't figure out the language. And that's how we were able to, uh, one of the ways we were able to have a turn in the war. You and I are Christians on foreign soils and we have an enemy that loves to confuse our languages. That loves to say like, you just, just give up. You and I are in the trenches trying to reach other people for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We need to get as creative as possible in the power of Jesus to reach people that no one else is reaching. This is why we pray for one. Pray for one uh, is one of our, uh, one of our values here. Uh, who am I helping to know Jesus every single day? Waking up, God, give me someone to share at the coffee shop, or get, uh, God, I have a name by mine. I'm going to pray for them every single day. Here's where Paul now concludes this. He says, and we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That is the gospel message. You want to know what to share with somebody? Share that verse. <laughs> that verse shares the gospel message. That, that is uh, what you and I are supposed to be sharing with people, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. With what effort? I implore you. This is life or death. If you don't know Jesus in this room right now, I implore you, to not leave here until you've reckoned yourself with a holy God and stop trying to pretend to be holy in and of yourself. Because what has happened to us in this room, I'll share it again. What's the motivation of the gospel? Gianna said it while giving communion. The motivation to the gospel is that God so loved the world. Not that God so hated the world. 
That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That God loves you enough to send his son to do what? God made him, if you can go back to that verse, to be sin, who knew no sin. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin birth, walked this earth, walked perfectly on this earth, did not do anything that was deserving of death, and then went to the cross. Why? Because if you and I have sinned, and for the wages of sin is death, if you and I have death hanging over our heads, not only a physical death, but a spiritual death, then if you have that and I have that, you can't be the sacrifice for me because then who's going to be the sacrifice for you? Somebody who is perfect has to be the sacrifice. So God made him who knew no sin to be sin. That God took the sin of humanity and put it on Jesus Christ. That one of those songs we were talking about was like shame and like all of those things that we don't have to know that feeling of anymore. I've talked about this with Mike before, that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the most painful part of the cross was not the nails. The most painful part of the cross was that Jesus, for the first time in his entire existence, felt displeasure. That was meant for you and meant for me. And love brought him to the cross. Love kept him on the cross. And then he went to a grave that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him, putting faith in him, that we might become what? The righteousness of God. You're not righteous on your own. But if you've said yes to Jesus, this works in reverse. That now... He's taken our unrighteousness and given us, through life in Jesus Christ, he's given us his righteousness. That's a message we're sharing with people, isn't it? That's a life or death message. Heaven is real, hell is real, and there's a God who's going to do something with our sin. How serious does God take sin? The cross says it all. I had a friend that I, I got to know, and, and I got to know him one Saturday, and he was struggling with life. And so I was like, hey, I'm going hiking next week. Why don't you go hiking with me up in New Hampshire? I just met you. Uh, and so jump in my car for six hours and go to New Hampshire with me. Um, and you would think like hiking would be the hardest part, no, or the most awkward uh, part. But actually, the drive was the most awkward because I threw on my 90s playlist. And normally, it just plays a lot of Goo Goo Dolls and things like I really love. But somehow, this 90s playlist got into like all of like the 90s like love songs. And, uh, and I was like, like, Spotify, this is not the time uh, for the Backstreet Boys. Um, and so I quickly turned that because it was like me and this dude that I had just met. And it was like super awkward. Uh, but then we get to the mountain and we're hiking. And uh, long story short, at the top of the mountain, uh, he said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I was going to go hiking anyways, and I like hiking, and I like talking about Jesus, so it's a win-win. And I, I, I share that only for one reason. Where do you work? Where do you play? What do you like to do? The gospel message in sharing Jesus doesn't have to be so complicated. Where do you work, and where do you play? Maybe start there. Where do your kids play? Maybe start there. My wife is on the board at Berkeley Football, and she works in the concession stands there. If she only works in the concession stands to work in the concession stands, there's no win to that. But if the, if the concession stands become her gospel stand, there's impact there. We have people in this church that work in the jails. They're a nurse in the jail. They're a guard in the jail. They uh, do um, investigations in the jail. If they're in the jail while other, well, amongst prisoners that are fighting for freedom or wanting freedom, if they're just there to do that, mm. but if they're there to tell them about the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the freedom they have in Christ, 
oh, there's impact there. So where do you work? Where do you play? Start there. And you say, Jason, but there's laws. Jason, I'm a nurse. Jason, I'm a, I, I work in a school. Jason, I do this. And there's laws. There's laws. I'm going to tell you to guide yourself by the law of love and not the law of this land. Share Jesus. Here's what I want us to see today as we uh, have walked through this passage, is that pray for one isn't extra credit. <laughs> it's an order. And if you've said yes to Jesus, you're not trying to get brownie points as a Christian by sharing Jesus. Some of us have the skill set of sharing Jesus. Yeah, there's more expected of you. But for all of us as Christians, this is an order. We have to go and we have to share Jesus. So if you're an ambassador, as you leave this place, every step that you take, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador in Tom's River. You're an ambassador in your home. You're an ambassador in your jobs. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. We need to stop going to the graveyard and trying to be cool in the graveyard with no mission. You want, you want to see a resurrection? Go to the graveyard. That's where resurrections happen. But go to the graveyard not to live there. Go to the graveyard to share Jesus. But others of us like our Christian bubble and we're saying, I would never be caught dead with an unsaved person. When we have that attitude, we're cool with them being caught dead. We need to share Jesus. And so a, a few weeks ago, actually two months ago, I wrote this and this is, I want to read this, kind of my heart to heart to this church from a treadmill. <laughs> and uh, I was writing it in my phone. So it's a little choppy. And then I just want to give you a challenge and then we'll sing. What I wrote on my phone two months ago is uh, last one, best one. I don't fully mean that title, but as it would do a disservice to what I'm about to say, so why use it? Because it's a family model for me. My son used to do Taekwondo and the instructor, and the instructor used to say uh, this at the end of every exercise. In the scope of my life, I mean last one, best one. In the scope of humanity, how about one last push? I'm not a prophet. I'm not an end times preacher. I don't know when the last days are. Are we there? Is this the final season? Is it the last chapter of humanity? If yes, is it, is it in a few years? Is it in a few decades? I don't know. But what I know is that with each passing breath, we are drawing closer to the end, individually and collectively. And so it seems to reason our efforts should be intensifying with every passing breath. But are they? Look at, look at your church. Look at my church. Look at, look at the church. Do you see a church that's on mission and, having, and has an intensifying mission? I don't. I see comfort. I see excuses. I see, uh, I see expectations we put on the churches that we don't carry for ourselves. I see an expectation that we put on the human next to us that we don't put on ourselves. I don't see us living like there is a holy God that is hot about sin. I don't see us living like there is a holy God who finds his mission to be holy. In 2023, I had 40 people from my church around my table. Know how many of them were unbelievers? One. One person. Shame on you, Jason. I've lived in a way where many of my neighbors and fellow parents respect what I do for a living and how I live. I guess that's a start, but do they respect God? No. So is that a win? No. If you've shared your politics more than you've shared your faith, shame on us. If we end 2024 and, and talk more about our politics than our faith, shame on us. So if this is the last chapter of humanity, what is, what is this chapter going to be? 
How many more people in the kingdom of God as quickly as possible? What, what would change? Well, we, we wouldn't hang on to money like it's coming with us. We wouldn't fight about lesser things. We, we would live like we could meet Jesus at any moment. We would talk about our greatest love and implore, imploring our unbelieving friends to find friendship with Jesus. What if this is, last one, best one, what if this is one final push? What if we lived like, G, like meeting Jesus wasn't a if, when, but in time it's going to happen? So let's do something about it. 2024 from an earthly perspective is going to suck. We're going into another political season. Remember 2020, y'all? Here we go again. So from a heavenly perspective, we are primed to share the message of hope to a hopeless culture. Let's do something about it. And so here's my challenge to you. It's one of three things as you make your New Year's goals. I want to challenge you to share and do all three of these things. I don't think they're super hard. I think the first one, I want to challenge you to complete a year-long reading plan. It's 2024. Google Bible reading plan. And you can find one. You can find ones that are chapters a day. You can find one that are a verse a day. You can find ones that have a devotional or something like that. Just Google it. You will find free resources. I'm challenging you in 2024 just to complete a Bible reading plan. My second challenge to you is that we have a weekly time of corporate prayer. There are 52 opportunities for you to come and pray for us with us. I'm challenging you to come to 12. We have the next two Wednesdays and the next and then the Thursday after that, and then we'll keep sending it out. I challenge you to come to just 12 this year corporate prayer times. But then the one that is on theme with our church, that is on theme with what we're saying, I am challenging you in the power of Jesus Christ to be praying and to look for the opportunity to share Jesus with three people, not just with your actions, but also with your words that you would verbally open your mouth. And I know we can't manufacture it. I know that salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Here is my trust in Jesus Christ, that if you pray every single day, God, give me an opportunity, that three is underselling what God can do in a church that is fixated on sharing Jesus. So we're gonna go into a song about being fully devoted. You and I cannot claim to be fully devoted before Jesus if we're not sharing our faith. You are not devoted as a follower of Jesus, depending on how you vote. You are a follower of Jesus, a devoted follower of Jesus, when you care about your holiness and when you care about others coming to know the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior.